Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Thursday, October 8th. After two long weeks of dramatic, intense action in Paris where we have seen three set battles, we have seen upsets galore, so much outstanding action, we finally know who's going to be competing for the 2020 French Open Women's Singles title. It's going to be young Polish player Iga Świątek taking on 2020 Australian Open champion. So, Sophia Kennan, and let's be honest, after what everything we've seen unfold in Paris these past two weeks, that feels about right. Now, of course, on today's podcast, I'm going to be talking about Thursday's semifinal matches, how Sviantek managed to knock off Podoroska in such convincing fashion, you know, what she has done to this point, her place in history, the way she has just blitzed through this French Open draw. Of course, we'll also talk about the way Sophia Kennan was able to survive against Petra Kvitova, who came alive in that second set gave Kennan everything she could handle, but a really outstanding performance from Kennan. Of course, I also want to preview tomorrow's men's semifinal matches. I want to talk a little bit about the challenger action. All of you tennis fans can look forward to this weekend as well. And it's just going to be me steering the ship. Jamie McDonald getting a much-deserved day off tonight. He's got some other cracked rackets things to do. Uh, But of course, the reason we are able to do these podcasts day in, day out here at Cracked Rackets is because of the support we get from our sponsors at Midwest Sports and Aero Bar. If you missed the latest episode of our Getting to the Point series with our friends at Aero Bar, where we talk about the importance of nutrition and fitness in the modern game, go check out that episode on the Cracked Interviews podcast. We had a really fun guest for us today. Damon Hankel, the former University of Florida All-American pro tennis coach, joining the show to talk about his career and, of course, uh, the way training, the way nutrition, fitness has changed uh, throughout his time with the game. And by the way, if you want yourself a case of the only tennis-specific energy bar in the business, you know, for these players, they're looking for any boost they can get. You can get a boost in your game as well. Turning to our friends at Aerobar, you go to their website, aerobar.com, use our promo code CRACKED15, you'll get 15 off on your order of either delicious cinnamon, honey, oat, or chocolate chip flavors. Honestly, get both. Make a little Aero Bar sandwich. You get the best of both worlds. It'll be delicious. It'll be nutritious. And of course, it will be tennis specific. So go to aerobar.com. Use that promo code CRACKED15. Of course, if you have any equipment needs, be sure to turn to our friends at Midwest Sports. You go to MidwestSports.com. Any brand in the business, they've got it. They've got everything ranging from rackets to shoes. You need it. They have it. Go to Midwest westsports.com. Use that promo code CR15. You'll get 15% off your order. Free two-day shipping on all orders over $75. And of course, best of all, that free can of Wilson Extra Duty Tennis Balls Midwest Sports wanting to ensure you have everything you need to make your return to the court a successful one. So, go to midwestsports.com. Use that promo code CR15. Now, with that in mind, let's get to our breakdowns of today's French Open matches. And, you know, again, two straight set performances. Pretty straight straightforward day. Uh, Let's start with the player who has, you know, objectively been the best player in this French Open through these first, you know, 13 days of action. And of course, that's Iga Sviantek, who again, just another comprehensively dominant straight set victory for her over Argentinian qualifier Nadia Podoroska. And of course, we've talked about Podoroska's incredible run uh, to the semifinals here this week. But this semifinal match, all Iga Sviantek. And she went down a quick love 30 deficit in that first game. But outside of that, this match was really never in doubt. Sviantek racing out to an early 
early break lead in the first set, earning at one point a double break lead. She ends up taking that first set 6-2, and then, you know, a 6-1 second set for her, so another 2-1 victory for Sviantek, who, uh, again, you look at just what she has done, and I'll get to this match specifically, but just to set the scene for all of you listeners, for Iga Sviantek, you know, she becomes the first Polish player to make a Grand Slam final since Aga Radwanska did it in 2012. She becomes only the third Polish tennis player in history, female Polish tennis player, excuse me, to make a Grand Slam finals. Female Polish players currently 0-4 in those Grand Slam finals. Now, they've won a doubles title, but never any in singles, never any in mixed doubles. Uh, But obviously for Iga Świątek, obviously that's so impressive for her to have accomplished this by age 19. But you look at just her run, how dominant she's been in these stats. By the way, that last one comes from at Damian Kirst, who hopefully all of you follow on tennis Twitter. But this one comes from at Alex underscore McPherson. Alex McPherson, obviously his name. Uh, For Sviatek, she dropped the fewest amount of games en route to a Grand Slam final. Uh, Excuse me, the fewest amount of games en route to a Grand Slam final since Mary Pierce in 1994, who lost only 10 games, by the way, en route to the final. Now that's at the French Open, you look uh, for uh, the the in the 21st century, excuse me, the players who have dropped fewer games on their way to a slam final. She joins elite company, Serena, Venus, and Safina. Serena did it four times at the U.S. Open in 2002, 2012, 2013. She dropped fewer than the 23 games Sviantek dropped. Venus did it at the 2009 Wimbledon where she dropped only 20 games. Safina also dropped only 23 games at the 2009 French Open. Uh, but that's obviously elite company for jo- to join for Iga Sviantek. And, you know, she's a former two-time Junior Slam champion, right? Junior Wimbledon in singles, Junior French Open in doubles. She's someone we have talked about a lot as one of the many young up-and-coming talents and you know this French Open whether it's Van Drusova whether it's Ashley Barty we just continue to see Astapanko more and more young players break through here but for Sviantek it's just how real all of it looks none of this feels like a fluke none of this feels like a player just playing their most outstanding tennis getting hot for two weeks now she has played outstanding tennis she has gotten hot for two weeks but everything just seems you know Everything she's executing seems rehearsed, seems planned. It seems like she is just capable of this level. It's so casual and routine, and it's just so impressive. I mean, in this match, she only makes 53% of her first serves, but in total on the day, she dropped 14 of a total 51 points on serve. You know, she's winning 69% of her service points, going 19 of 27 on the first, 16 of 24 on the second. She hits 23 winners in this match against 20 unforced errors, but more importantly, holds Podoroska to only six winners against 20 unforced errors. I mean, she won 59% of her receiving points. She played plus one tennis throughout this match. And again, it's her ability to change direction. It's her ability to leverage her length to take balls early, take them down the line, move forward behind them. In this match, it says she's only seven of 11, but how many times she ended up hitting approach shots that either led to bouncing overheads or just led to errors from Podoroska. It was outstanding. And so for Sviantek, again, she moves comfortably on the clay. She can slide into her shots. There's so much 
much rotation on her forehand, and I tweeted this out, it looks awfully similar to Kyle Edmund, who's obviously got one of the most effective forehands in the men's game. That's the sort of upside Iga Svantec has off of that wing. It's definitely a little bit risky, uh, risky, but there's just so much rotation on the ball she produces. It's so heavy, the depth she's able to get with that shot, the pace. It's overwhelming, and then she's able to move forward, play plus one tennis. She's comfortable at the net. She'll hit the overhead, and again, you know, the way she takes balls early, takes balls down the line, just the ball was on her racket the entire time. She dictated the terms of this match from start to finish, and for Podoroska, I mean, Podoroska made 70% of her first serves in this match. It didn't matter because Iga was playing to such big targets and was so precise on the serve, uh, on the return of serve, excuse me, the depth she's able to produce, the fact that her forehand doesn't seem to be overwhelmed despite the fact that it is a little bit risky. She can still take that return early and down the line, and then her backhand return is so beautiful, the way she absorbs pace off of that wing, and she can go short angle, again, she can go drive. It's not like, again, it's not a Sabalenka who's just going to blast you off the court, but it's a precise power. It's not as linear as a Petra Kvitova. It's much more spin-centric. She creates angles for herself. She creates space for herself and then capitalizes on creating that space. I mean, there's a reason. Sometimes the bookmakers are just correct. That's why they make all this money, and they made her the odds-on favorite to win this event following her victory over Svantec, and there's just no reason, or her victory, excuse me, Svantec's over Halep, and they were correct. She is going to enter tomorrow's, uh, or Saturday's final as the favorite because she has been that outstanding. I mean, again, you look for Iga Svantec and what she has done in this tournament. Not only has she not dropped the set, but it's not like, you know, it's been a fluky draw, right? She, in her very first match, knocks out Suwei C, then she knocked, or excuse me, that was in her second round, in her very first match, she knocks out last year's finalist, Marketa Vandrusova, then it's Suwei C, then it's Jeannie Bouchard, Simona Halep. Obviously, these last two matches in Trevisan and Podoroska, she entered as a prohibitive favorite, but guess what? She only dropped seven games between her quarterfinal and semifinal matches at a Grand Slam. That is a player in control of their game. That is a confident player, of course. She's also in the semifinals of doubles. I mean, I don't know what else there is to say about the young Polish superstar who, again, was was pegged for stardom early on. When you're a two-time Junior Grand Slam champion, when you make three Junior Slam finals in your career, things are expected of you. And for Iga Świątek, it's just, you know, how casual. She's taking it all in stride. She just looks so relaxed on court. She knows exactly what she wants to do. And, you know, in the press, she talked about it. She said, well, you know, I'm just going to give tennis a uh, a go for a few years, and if it didn't go well, I was going to apply to university. And just that humbleness. Uh, it, it it comes across in everything she does. She's just, you know, she's not uh, she's not boastful. She's not she's not exuber- exuberant is not the wrong word. She's just so, she's so determined. She's so locked in. She's so focused on everything she's doing out on the court, and it's led to some outstanding tennis. So again, with all due respect, and Nadia Podoroska, outstanding run for her. First qualifier in history at the French Open to make the semifinals in women's singles, and you look for her now where she is at at in the ranking. She jumps up 83 spots to a new career high of number 40, and she deserves to be in the top 50 after her run to this Grand Slam semifinal. What's crazy for Iga Svantec, the 19-year-old, making this final, she's only up to number 24 in the live rankings, and a lot of that has to do with you know players being protected. Does Ashley Barty deserve to be 
be punished for not playing the French Open in the midst of a pandemic? Should she lose those points? No, of course not. And so the ranking system currently adjusted to reflect our reality. But crazy that she makes a Grand Slam final. It feels so real. She doesn't drop a set. And yet Sviantek only up to number 24 in the live ranking. Still phenomenal from her all week. And now she's going to match up in the final against Sophia Kennan. And Sophia Kennan has gotten better and better as this tournament's progressed. And we talked about it. Four of her first five matches, three set battles. But today against Petra Kvitova, it almost went the distance. Sophia Kennan almost blinked. And yet she knocked off a Kvitova who had also not dropped the set yet in the tournament as she beats her four and five today. And Look, this match was exceptional. You look at the stats in this one. Uh, you know, Petra Kvitova only breaks serve twice in this match. Sophia Kennan able to get four breaks of serve. There were only three in that uh, second uh, in that second set. And you know, we let's start off in that second set because uh, I guess let's start in the first set because you know, coming into this match, we talked about it. Petra Kvitova obviously holds the power advantage, but the variety with that Kennan plays with her ability to drive the ball into the outer thirds of the court, her ability to play slice, to play angle. She had the skills to get Petra Kvitova out of her strike zone, to get Petra Kvitova stretched, which is what you have to do if you want to beat her. If you let her tee off on balls in the center of the court, it's just going to be a long day for you. And of course, we talked about for Kennan, she had to play with that variety. She had to change direction. She had to make a large number of first serves because if she didn't, uh, she was going to be in some serious trouble. And then, you know, uh, you know, with Kvitova teeing off and then she had to play well and she did all of the above and stayed positive and Kennan takes that first set again 6-4 uh, and then in that second set she gets the early break and she holds on to it you know, they play this game at three all in the second set. Kennan races out to a 40-love lead at 40-15. Kvitova just unloads on a couple of forehands, and you could tell in that moment, okay, Petra Kvitova knows, hey, if I don't get control in this match, if I don't stake my ground now, Kennan's going to just roll over me because she was playing that well. The variety was on display for Sophia Kennan in this match. She made 69% of her first serves, won 67% of those points, was such an efficient four of five on breakpoint chances, and, you know, off 10 of the 12 break points she faced, but Kvitova started creating chances for herself. Her power, her forehand down the line, just her willingness to move forward. She's 12 of 17 at the net. Kvitova also hitting her spots on serve. Petra Kvitova fought and clawed. And for Sophia Kennan, who, you know, again, manages it's this long, I think like eight to nine, maybe even 10 minute game. Kennan ends up holding 4 4 2, but she ends up serving for the match up 5 4. And, you know, she Blinked. She commits three first ball errors to go down love 40. Then she wins a point, but then, you know, a big return from Kvitova draws another error. Now it's five all. And, you know, you were like, oh, okay, this is the moment Petra Kvitova has been waiting for. Sophia Kennan played such a high level through the first set and three quarters. She just, whether it's the variety, the slice, the down the line, the moving forward, she 23 winners against 20 unforced errors, playing to good margins, just making, you know, elongating points. You look in this match uh, in terms of the length of points they are playing for Sophia Kennan in this one. Obviously, as you can imagine, the longer the point went, uh, the more success she seemed to be having in terms of shots, points that went over five shots. Kennan wins 28 on the day. Kvitova wins 19 in a match that's decided 75 points to 71 total points. That was the difference. Kennan did a good enough job elongating points when she had to, did a good enough job making a first serve, changing direction with that first 
ball moving forward. And then she did a really good job on the return of serve. Again, she played to big targets. I thought her, you know, Kennan, it's a good matchup for her because pace into the Kennan backhand is a good thing for Sophia Kennan. And again, Kvitova's pace a little bit more linear, right? It drives through the ball. It's uh, it's not as loopy or heavy as what she's going to see versus Fiontech, who's a little bit more topspin centric. Kvitova a little bit flatter, but Kennan just did a good job handling it all, and she bounces right back, breaks Kvitova for 6-5, and then serves it out very comfortably, or, you know, comfortably for the 6-4-7-5 victory. And for Sophia Kennan, two Grand Slam finals this year uh, for, I believe, what, she's 21, 22 years old. I want to say she's 21 years old. And I mean, you know, Sophia Kennan, two years ago, I did a podcast with Jonathan Kelly. I said she was my second uh, best American on the season. He laughed at me. This was the end of 2018. He said, you're crazy, Alex. I said, no, I'm not. I'm telling you. That's not what he said, by the way. He was actually very supportive. And look, for Sonia Kennan, she was a top junior. It was her and CeCe Bellis competing for every title down the stretch of, you know, the mid-2010s of American women's junior tennis, American girls junior tennis at the time, excuse me. Uh, and then, you know, she it's just the way she did it. She wins a couple, you know, she makes a couple of finals, a good run in 2018. She wins a couple of tournaments in 2019. And now she's a breakthrough star in 2020. And what's so amazing is just how well-suited her game seems to be for so many different surfaces because she has a plan A, B, C, and D. Because there's no shot on the court Sophia Kennan seemingly can't hit. I mean, she's got the chance to win multiple majors, be the first woman to win multiple majors in the same year since 2016, since Angelique Kerber did it. And I mean, for uh, Sophia Kennan, again, she just was so outstanding today. And by the way, credit to Petra Kvitova, second Grand Slam semifinal in her career. We've talked about how good she looks. She still proves when she plays her best over the two-week stretch, she can absolutely win Grand Slam titles. And it just adds to the incredible parody we see right now in the women's game. But, you know, for Sophia Sophia Kennan. This is the real deal, folks. You don't make two slams in the same year, and it's not it's never a fluke. That's not just a one-off year. You're never just going to make two slams and then disappear. Sophia Kennan is going to be a top five player now. I think we're going to see it for the next 10 years, and you know she's got the opportunity to win her second Grand Slam at age 21, and if you can get two in the book by age 22, now you've got the chance to do some really special stuff with the prime of her career ahead of her, and again, it's just her ability. She gets broken, she comes back immediately, breaks back, holds for the holds for the match. Her ability to, you know, she played a lot of bad sets during this tournament. Let's just be honest. She There were matches where she did not play her best tennis, yet she clawed her way through those matches, and now she seriously is playing her best tennis heading into the final. And again, we're going to preview that final, I'm sure, tomorrow, Jamie McDonald and I, but she's got a chance to win two slams in the season, first since Kerber. You look at this matchup between Sviantek and Kennan, obviously, both 21 years and and younger. Uh, it's the first time that's happened in a final at the French or, or on the in the women's game that two 21 years or younger players match up since the 08 Australian Open. That was a 20-year-old Sharapova versus a 20-year-old Ivanovic. That's obviously some nice company to join. Of course, these two played in the 2016 Roland Garros Junior French Open. Shiantek won that match 6-4-7-5. Uh, also worth noting, this will be the first time since 2003 that both French Open finals are 21 and younger at that time. It was a 21-year-old Justine Ennin and a 20-year-old Kim Kleisters again. These are the names, the sort of company you want to join. And by the way, those numbers from Courtney Wynn at WTA Insider, but it's just phenomenal. And look, you know, there are 
uh, you look in this match, and this is a stat from Tennis Abstract, Jeff Sackman, one of the best in the business, just, you know, Kvitova playing Kennan in the semifinals was only the fourth match between two seeds in this French Open. Uh, several, according to him, several 90s slams had five seed versus seed meetings, but that was the era of only 16 seeds. In the 32 seed era, the average is that there are 16 seed versus seed matches. The record low was eight matches at the 2016 Australian Open. This tournament obviously is going to crush that. But that being said, we get two young stars emerging in this Grand Slam final. And I don't think anyone who follows the game closely, you know, if you're a casual follower of the, of the game, A, you should be really excited because this is the sort of level there are these many talented young players coming through the ranks. Women's tennis is about to get really exciting. But if you're a, a perennial tennis fan, you're locked in. And obviously you are because you're listening to this podcast. Uh, this is exactly what we want from our young players at Grand Slams. We want to see them break through, have these miraculous runs. We want to see a young player win a slam, follow it up by making a slam final in the next three slams. And by the way, that's exactly what Sophia Kennan did. It's worth remembering. remembering she lost 0-0 to Vika in Rome. That was like three weeks ago. It was on clay. She got double bageled. Now she finds herself in a Grand Slam final. Talk about, you know, again, uh, facing and overcoming adversity. And for Ika Shriante, this is a young star making her breakthrough. And again, we'll talk more about the specifics of the matchup tomorrow, but this is a really, really exciting final on the women's side. Now, before we get to that women's singles final, of course, we get to watch two men's singles semifinals take place tomorrow, and two of the names, names, of course, all of us expected, although in general, this is just a really fun semifinal, two really fun semifinal battles. We've got Novak taking on, Novak, excuse me, we're not on a first-name basis. We've got Novak Djokovic taking on Stefano Tsitsipas. This will be their sixth career head-to-head meeting, and of course, we've got Rafael Nadal taking on Diego Schwartzman. That match, a rematch of a Rome quarterfinal that saw Schwartzman earn his first and only win over Rafa 6-2-7-5, but of course facing Rafa in Roland, in Paris at Roland Garros, a completely different task. Let's start with Djokovic Tsitsipas because, you know, you look at their career head-to-head, Djokovic only a 3-2 advantage over Tsitsipas. Now, you know, he did beat him 3-4 and four in a Dubai final earlier this year. Of course, that match on outdoor hard courts. They've played four matches on hard courts. Tsitsipas beating Djokovic in China last year, Djokovic winning the other three occasions, Djokovic winning their one matchup at, on clay in the Madrid 2019 final, three and four. And, you know, Stefano Tsitsipas is going to have chances to attack. And of course, that's absolutely what he wants to do. He wants to take time and space away from you. He wants to move forward. He wants to be the aggressor. Now, he's not afraid to make a match physical. And when a match gets into the outer thirds, Stefano Tsitsipas doesn't hate that because then he gets to get creative. He gets to go down the line or go for the nice angles or drive through the court and move forward, whatever he wants to do. But, you know, when a match gets messy, you're in no- and you're playing Novak Djokovic, you're in a lot of trouble. And when I think about how this match is going to look, I just keep picturing a messy match. I know Tsitsipas is going to have chances to attack, and when he executes his first serve, that serve plus one, it's obviously effective enough to have made him a top five player already. But 
I, I know Djokovic lost his set to Kareno Busta. I think that had to do with Kareno Busta's patience. I think Kareno Busta got under Djokovic's skin. I think Kareno Busta said, Novak, you know, I'm going to make every extra ball today as well. So if you want to beat me, you're going to have to go for some things. You're going to have to be the aggressor. It's not going to be read and react for you. You're going to have to, you know, uh, your patterns aren't going to work. I'm going to take those away from you. Tsitsipas is going to force Djokovic to play a lot of read and react tennis, and that's what makes me so nervous about this matchup is because that's exactly what Novak Djokovic wants to do. And, you know, for Novak Djokovic, if he's in the outer thirds, if he gets to go down the line, get you stretched and move, you know, throw in the drop shot or get to hit passing shots, then, you know, that's when he's having fun. That's when he's locked in. And I also think for Djokovic, who, yeah, is nursing some injuries, but I think he wants, I've talked about this all week, there's been this look in his eyes, all these past two weeks, excuse me, uh, where he, he just... After what happened at the U.S. Open, there's just this fire about him. There's this focus where he wants to tell the tennis world, hey, I'm the best player in the world. This was supposed to be my undefeated all-time, you're never going to doubt who the greatest tennis player is season. And obviously, we didn't get to see that for a multitude of reasons, but... I just don't know if Tsitsipas is going to be able to slow Djokovic down. And again, Tsitsipas is going to be aggressive. Tsitsipas is going to swing through all of his problems in the way, you know, Federer attacks Djokovic, where it's Federer's got the hubris, where it's like, I don't care that you're Novak Djokovic. I'm Roger Federer. I attack people. I move forward. If you beat me, good for you, Novak, but I move forward and attack. Tsitsipas has that characteristics to him, that, to him, right? He's got that edge. By the way, I screwed that up. Djokovic, again, the 3-2 Djokovic has beaten him. Uh, it it's a 2-2 two and two record on hard court. Djokovic 1-0 on the clay. But, you know, Tsitsipas is going to move forward. And I think he's really gotten a lot more physically sound. I think he's a better mover on clay than he used to be. I think he slides into his shots. I think his backhand is held up well and it held up under a ton of pressure against Rublev. And he took chances. He was playing well down the line, changing directions. He's going to have to do all that against Novak. I just... I just think we're we're destined for a Novak Rafa final. That's why that's my pick. But Stefanos is going to have opportunities to attack, and he's got to be wary of Djokovic's forehand going down the line because Djokovic has been doing that with a lot of success in this tournament. And of course, you're always wary of the drop shot Djokovic will throw in. But for Tsitsipas, he's just he's got to be aggressive. He's got to be the one taking the taking the initiative to change direction, to dictate the the terms of play, the terms of you know conduct in each point and to ask someone to do that against Novak Djokovic is again the hardest thing in tennis so I think Tsitsipas is playing well if he wins a set even two it's not going to shock me but I see Novak Djokovic advancing to the final give me Novak in this one in I'm going to say a close three set match or you know there's a lopsided set and it goes four but I just think Djokovic wins this one and is in control from start to finish I also feel similarly about Nadal Schwartzman, and I know that you know you come here sometimes. I like to throw hot takes at all of you listeners. I like to be a little bit different and not just go with the chalk picks. I'm not Matt Stachowiak, but I mean, does anyone beat Rafa two times in a row on clay in his career that's not named Novak Djokovic? I hesitate to say the answer is yes, and I can't imagine it would be. I don't think there's ever been someone in their career who's beaten Rafa at back-to-back clay court events. And I, Diego Schwartzman is playing so well. He's going to ask every question of Rafa. He's going to track down every extra ball. He's perfectly fine playing his backhand to uh, the Rafa forehand, absorbing all the Rafa spin, just bunting down on that ball and playing with variety, getting Rafa out of his strike zone. It's everything he did in that Rome quarterfinal match, but... 
you know, again, are you ever going to doubt Rafa coming off of a loss? Are you ever going to doubt him three out of five at Roland Garros? The guy has lost twice in his career at the event, and you know, Diego Schwartzman's playing really well, but I just think the heaviness of Nadal's ball, I know these courts are so difficult to hit through, and obviously if Dominic Team couldn't hit through Diego Schwartzman, you know, the only person who might be able to hit through him is Rafael Nadal, but if Schwartzman can survive Team, certainly we know we're going to get a fight from him. I don't know, I just... It, it just keeps coming back to me, do I think anyone is capable of beating Nadal on clay twice in a row? And I know that's not a tactical answer, that's a very subjective thought, but the answer to me is unequivocally no. I just don't think it's possible to beat Rafa on clay two events in a row. I think Rafa's going to make the adjustment, he's going to go down the line more frequently, he's going to move forward more frequently, and he's going to be ready for the Schwartzman variety. Give me Rafa, honestly, in... I'm going to say a 7-5, maybe a 7-6, 7-6, you know, 6-3 type affair, but three close sets, but I just think Rafa is going to be lasered in in this match, and I think we're going to get a Nadal-Djokovic final, which is obviously something we can all look forward to given the year that 2020 has been. With that in mind, just a couple of quick things, uh, and then we will wrap today's show. One, let's talk about the challenger action because some really fun quarterfinal action started kicking off this championship weekend. You know, they're called challenger events, but the rankings of these players, the level of play we're going to see, it's just bad branding. This is as good of tennis as anywhere across the globe. You look at the action in Barcelona, uh, Jean Vier versus Zumher, Bagnus versus Valero. Of course, you've also got young Carlos Alcaraz versus Philip Horansky and Andrea Colorado. Rini against Xiaomi Munar. Uh, those are obviously outstanding matches in Parma. You've got an, a couple of other fun ones. Francis Tiafo taking on qualifier Filippo Baldi. You've got Delbanis, Cecinato, Caruso, Laszlo Jur, Vikovic versus Alexi Paparin. Uh, again, it may not be the grandeur of Roland Garros in the Grand Slams, but the level of play is outstandingly high. You can find it all on livestream.com slash ATP, and there's just tennis to fill the day. There's it's always just outstanding tennis being played across the world. You all can follow it, support it, and hear my picks for that action, by the way, on our Great Shot Podcast, GSP Ace of the Day segments, either on the podcast feed or on our YouTube channel. Uh, also, worth noting, you know, speaking of course, we all know we're still in the midst of a global pandemic due to COVID. The USDA has canceled the 2020 National Indoor Championships for the juniors set to be held in various locations at the end of November. Obviously, uh, that is tremendously disappointing and, uh, you know, uh, just worth noting, you know, that's one of the staples of the junior season. And so hopefully all of these players still finding ways to compete. Hopefully their development won't be hampered. But of course, we all know the USDA doing everything they can to keep junior tennis alive live, functioning, healthy uh, during a midst of a global pandemic, and obviously their efforts continue to be admirable, so shout out to them, but this was a decision I'm sure many of us saw coming. Lastly, just want to mention, if you're not following Brett McCormick and the incredible work he's doing at Sports Business Journal, you really should be. Today, it was a conversation with Fox 10 CEO Javier Simon, who talked about Fox 10, which is, of course, the shot spot equivalent on clay and what it can mean moving forward. Uh, Of course, he's written about things 
such as uh, just some of the foundation of the WTA. He's talked about the ATP plan moving forward, their business plans for the future. So if you're not following him, be sure to do so. And as soon as I get my act together, we will have him on the podcast. I promise you, all of you listeners. But with that in mind, again, if you have missed any of the action in Roland Garros, you need to catch up on anything. Uh, be sure to go check out our website, CrackRackets.com. Whether it's this podcast, The Great Shot Podcast, Inside Out, or Crack Interviews Podcast, our articles on our website, our videos on our YouTube channel, we have you covered every storyline from this French Open. So be sure to check out all of that content. You need the more immediate updates. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. We are at Cracked Rackets. You want to DM me directly. I am at Great Shot Pod. Shout out, as always, to our super producers, Max Fligner and Daniel Westoff for the of an editing job they do day in day out shout out of course as well to our friends at midwest sports and aerobar go to midwestsports.com use the promo code cr15 go to aerobar.com use that promo code cracked 15 and again be on the lookout for all of our coverage of championship weekend of this year's third and final grand slam event the 2020 french open but with that in mind for my wonderful super producers max Ligner and daniel westoff our friends at midwest sports and aerobar and all of us here at both cracked Rack and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm your host, Alex Kruskin. You know what we say. That's the break, and we will talk to you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone.